Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served the Valley for decades. I don't care whether it's auto, home, life, business insurance, they cover it all, but they find you the right insurance where you're covered for the right price that fits your budget. If there's a claim, they go right to work for you. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Another sterling effort yesterday by the New York Giants against the Rams. Our play-by-play call of the day. Third down, 33. Nine and a half to go. Bubble screen left side. Robert Woods charging ahead. 45 breaks inside 40. 35-30. Robert Woods, first down 20. 10-5. Touchdown. L.A. On third down and 33. A screen to the left side. And Robert Woods has his first touchdown as a Ram. It comes at MetLife Stadium in New York in week nine. And it makes the score. 16-7 L.A. They won 52-17. to It was just the beginning. Jared Goff threw four touchdown passes yesterday for the L.A. Rams. With that, basketball season gets rolling on Friday. And with that, we bring in Nathan Davis. Nathan, it's good to hear you again. Great to have you back. It's great to be back with you. Hope all is going well. It is going well, and it's great to hear you. you have, there's a veteran starting cast for you. Games can be improved by work that is done in the offseason. When you got them back in the camp uh, more than a month ago, did you sense and see the guys were putting in the offseason work to make their respective games better? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I felt like every single guy had improved from where they were a year ago right across the board, which is always a good sign when you've had success and come back the next year. When you, when you see that, it makes you think the guys might still be a little hungry. Which is a big plus. It starts there. Let's start with your point guard. I mean, this has to be an extension of you. Have you been able to be ahead of the curve because of that? Yeah, no doubt about it. I think with him and and a lot of our guards, they've been around a while. They know what we're looking for, and so there's a lot more trust. They they have a lot more. I always think I give them a good bit of lead away, but they've got even more now to, to kind of figure some stuff out on their own. Right. Okay. Figure stuff out on their own. Do you, uh, I'm going to assume that you're the kind of coach that does a lot of situational work in practice. Have you been pleased with the way that they've understood situational work because you've done this so many times? Yeah, no doubt about it. We do we do a lot of stuff where we keep score, obviously, and so every segment almost ends up being a situation down at the end of score time who's got the ball, where's the ball, all that stuff. But I think they've, they've, grown, they've grown a lot. They understand what we're looking for, so they've got a lot more freedom. As a matter of fact, we let them make the, uh, the first call the other day in our scrimmage as far as what they wanted to, to do based on our personnel, what we knew they wanted to do. So growing, growing, getting better, and it should make things better moving forward. Right, the exhibition game with Towson, it's just an exhibition. But what did you learn out of that just by facing somebody else? Well, I think that, that every year you want to challenge yourself. And going in, we knew that it was going to be a good game game for us because, frankly, something that's always given us trouble are teams that are, are 
positional defensively, but very physical, um, pound the glass, really attack the paint. And somebody's always giving us trouble. People don't know. A year ago, we we played the Youngstown State team that really kind of struggled. We lost that game by 15 <laughs> in a scrimmage. Right. Yeah. So right. so there's a lot of different things go that go into it. But from a standpoint of what we what we wanted to get out of it going in, it was exactly what we needed. We wanted this, with with our schedule and who we're going to play. We knew that they were a, a experienced team, a physical team um, that was going to really pound the paint, attack the glass, and, and that's what we needed to see. And so you always want to win every game, obviously. But in, when you're playing games that don't count as much as anything, you want to make sure that your flaws are exposed. Um, so that you can get back to work on it. I thought we had a great week last week and, and are better now than we were going into that game. Nana Fallon, uh, what did you need to see from him in the preseason that showed uh, that he improved on the areas he was already good at but also became better at a couple of areas where there was a deficiency? Well, I think the the thing, he's, he's stronger, he's he's more agile, he's even more comfortable with his back to the basket, he's had a couple moves, and he's expanded his range. I mean, he went 8 for 10 against Towson for the free throw line, that was not, watching him in practice, that was not unexpected, and, and the other day in our strength with Penn, he actually knocked down his first three, so so he's expanded his game a little bit. I, I still think that he's going to be a back to the basket guy, where it's going to be primary, but I think that it'll be it'll be great for the team if he continues on this path and becomes a guy you got to respect as he gets out on the perimeter. Okay, so... <laughs> He knocked down his first three. Okay, if, if he does too. that, I, I know. If he does that in games, honestly, Nathan, he becomes certifiable if he does that in games. Yeah, you know, and, and he's not going to be a guy that's going to be coming off right. screens. Let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But if he's a guy that when he's trailing the break and they're sitting in line and he's got time to line up and shoot it, and he's going to make more of those, we'll be better. Um, and that type of thing, and he'll be better. So, and I think that is there's, I think he's well on his way to being able to do that for us. Right out of the gate, you've got Monmouth. We know how well Monmouth has played of late. Then it's Arkansas, then it's North Carolina, then it's Maryland. Oh, and by the way, you can't take Sienna lately. Uh, no. You, or Ball State, <laughs> who won 23 games last year. Or Ball everything. State that won 23. <laughs> Stony Brook, which has become really good of late. Phil Martelli's team. Vermont's not bad. Okay. What madman put this together? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, Nathan, obviously you know the Patriots are one-bid league. With your team and the people that you have coming back, what did you want to accomplish with this kind of schedule? Well, I think the first thing is whenever you have a team that's had the success we've had and uh, returned as much, it's going to be hard to find people um, that are willing to play. So obviously the people you're going to play are going to be very good. Um, I think that when you have a team that's experienced coming back, I think it's important that, that part of – the process, like you said, it's going to be a one big league. Is it's to continue to get better and to keep their attention. And when you go in and you're playing teams like North Carolina, and Arkansas, and Monmouth, and Maryland, and right down the line, people that they're familiar with that they've got real respect for, um, our preparation and our focus should be good um, going in, so we can t- continue to improve as the year goes on. Because, like you said, at the end of the day, it's it's probably going to be a one big league, and we need to be at our best in March. And I want to make sure that we are improving every day and have a focus so that we continue to get better. So that when we get to March, we are at our best. You've got six games in the opening twelve days, so give me an emphasis on you know what, how much it's going to be Bucknell that you'll concentrate on, how much of it's scouting. It's going to be some of both. I mean, you got to have a balance. There's a lot of ways we're actually talking about today. It's going to be like playing an NBA schedule here starting Wednesday for for 
for about <laughs> a week or ten days. Um, yeah. So it's gonna be there's a balance between obviously with the travel, um, and with the talent of the teams we're playing. So you got to be fresh. That's gonna be first and foremost. So we're gonna have to be smart about that. And when we give days off and when we go hard, so we have to be focused and organized of what we're gonna do. But there's gonna be a balance between taking a few things. You you, you can never. There's always when you come out of a game. There's ten or twelve things you want to fix, and you can never do that. <laughs> Just like in in a game, there's always ten or twelve things you want to fix at halftime. You can't do that. You you've got to pick what you want to what you want to emphasize and work on those. And that's part of why there's a process where it takes time to get better across the board at everything you want to do because you got to be selective about what you really focus on at those times because you only have a certain number of hours certain number of minutes where you can practice and still be effective in, in the game. So uh, we're going to be detailed, we're going to be organized, we're going to have to come with a plan ready every day is what we want to do to make sure we are in the best position to win the next game. Fans can get excited about the possibility of a season. Can a coach afford to be excited about the possibility of a season, or is it just such a game-by-game thing that you have to just stay within that moment? Well, I think heading in, I think everyone's excited, and it should be. I think as a coaching staff, when you look at what we have and, and the, the guys we have and the way they've improved, we're certainly excited. I think the fans should be excited. I think the whole community should be excited. But understand that at the same time, um, it, it takes time to get to where you want to be. There's going to be some ups and downs, as there always are in games in the season. You look back at last year, everyone's like, oh, you kind of ran the table. Well, we went to Boston University with a chance to, to finish second, honestly, in the league and had played really well going into that game. That was a big game. That was a moment where our backs were kind of against the wall. Um, we went to Butler last year and got absolutely pounded, did not play wide, to turn and play Vanderbilt two nights later, and we were down early in that game, found a way to get back. So there's there's ups and downs throughout the year. We got beat pretty good by Lehigh a couple times. So there's ups and downs every year, no matter what team it was. I think you look back even on the team in 2006, they were undefeated in the league play. We were down 18 in the second half of the Holy Cross. We were down 12 right. with about 10 minutes left at Colgate. So it's going to happen. I have no doubt <laughs> in the history of basketball, right. it's happened oh, no. to everyone. It's going to happen. So it's about how do you respond, how do you Pair, um, and, and being ready to, to fight through the good and bad times, and, and that will determine how what kind of season we have. It's interesting because having you on the show every week, I feel like I've lived through those. Where you said, "Well, we were <laughs> oh, yeah. the Lehigh. Like, yeah, I remember that conversation. I remember oh. that one." <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. There's, there's not everything's perfect. We got to remember that and continue to focus on on what we can control. A pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for the time. Best of luck starting out this weekend with uh, Monmouth and then Arkansas. And then uh, we'll roll around to the North Carolina thing a little bit later. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that one next week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Good luck this weekend. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Nathan. Nathan Davis, head basketball coach at Bucknell. All right. We have not had a chance to open up the phone lines. I know we've had a couple calls along the way. The lines are open at 800-795-9565, 800-795-9565. I'm sure some people want to talk about Penn State football. More than happy to do it as we continue. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. There are a lot of places to get insurance coverage, but only one place in the Susquehanna Valley ready to put four generations of experience to work for you. Hi, I'm Adam Purdy. At Purdy Insurance, we take the time to talk with you and find the right coverage for your needs. Everyone's situation is unique, so our approach is to customize coverage to best protect you. Whether it's home, auto, or business insurance solutions you need, call, email, or stop in to see how our commitment to personal service can help protect what matters to you. Phone lines open at 1-800-795-9565. I know there have been probably a couple of people who tried to get in to ask a couple of questions, wanted to talk Penn State football. And, well, I'm sitting there. 
<laughs> so let her rip. <laughs> Eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. It'll be you know, listen to all points and see what you have to say about it. And uh, they've got Rutgers Saturday at noon. And back to work. As uh, interesting as Nathan was talking about, you know, all the games I've got to play. I've got to broadcast uh, ten games in fifteen days, starting on Friday. Yeah, sounds like good. Get him out of the studio. Yeah, Campbell uh, starts it, and then I got football and Saturday, and I got basketball Sunday, and then I got basketball Wednesday, then basketball Friday, then football Saturday again, then basketball in Brooklyn Monday, Tuesday, then basketball Friday, then go right to Maryland do football and. Then I got a basketball game at NC State. Then I got one at Iowa. And then a home one with Wisconsin. I mean, I got a lot between, you know, it's the way the schedule fell into place. It's perfectly fine. Fun time of the year for me. I know I enjoy it. But I mean, what do you, I mean, obviously, uh, we've had a couple calls here that we've had guests and uh, great guests, which we've enjoyed having on, but it also meant that we couldn't take calls during that time frame, so I'd like to hear from you, uh, especially those that were trying to call before. 1-800-795-9565, 1-800-795-9565. I'll throw this out here to get it started. Were you surprised at the success the Michigan State quarterback had? When you're doing your game prep uh, for, for him exclusively, uh, what he did nope. on Saturday, did it really jump off the page? Uh, that's the way... He played against Northwestern, played the same game. He threw for uh, a school record 454 yards against Northwestern and looked about the same. The the thing that uh, that Jack and I kept coming back to was his ability, and we talked about this in the pregame, his ability to make plays by buying time to keep plays alive, and he did that. Now, Penn State, now, what what the issue is on blitzing, whether it's just movement of the quarterback or whatever, but whether they're not timing it up right or they're running into too much contact or maybe they're not scraping well enough, I don't know. That's something I would have to ask James Franklin to take a longer, harder look at the tape than I have. But they're not getting enough pressure. And, again, not having Buckholz has taken away a package that they use. I mean, you know, Buckholz... You know, they were able to bring in Shaka Tony. They moved Kevin Givens inside. They moved Buckholz inside, and they got Sharif Miller on the other other side. That four defensive end package has actually been very, very effective for Penn State. Not having Ryan Buckholz the last two games has taken a package off the table for Penn State. So that hasn't helped in terms of the pressure getting to the quarterback. Uh, so that that's part of the issue. Also, I think the coverage has been fine, except for they've got to do a better job. They did not do a great job on Saturday of understanding or the concept of down and distance. They had a third and 11, gave up a first down. Third and 18, gave up a first down. Third and 19, gave up a first down. Then they had a third and 25, and they gave up a 20-yard run that made it fourth and five, and they ended up punting. So, you know, so they've got to do a better job uh, in the concept of down and distance, which they were doing a really good job of before, but they were 10 of 18 on third down, and three of those were third and 10 plus 
And again, when three of those are third and ten plus, right, that's where you get concerned about making sure that your DVs do have a good concept about how much room to give uh, and also where the sticks are so that you're you're giving up, okay, so it's third down and 18. You give up a 12-yard play. That's perfectly acceptable. Now you've played down a distance well. But when they're converting three of them, that's not good. Right, so they've got to do a better job of that. And I mentioned already the pressure part of it, that you've got to get pressure. Then offensively, they knew they had to throw the football. But I'll say this. As the game went... Penn State started doing a better and better job of starting to get some forward progress in the running game. And they'll need that this week against this team in Rutgers. So as the game went, I felt they were getting more forward push in the running game. Uh, They threw for 401, 381 by Trace McSorley in the game. And And I firmly believe that if the fourth down play to DeAndre Tompkins is hit, right? And that was a great call. You know, everybody you know, talks about coaching and calls and things like that. That in route, that slant was a great call. They had it. If Tompkins catches it, my opinion, I think they I think they win the game. I think we're having a different conversation. Today. I was going to ask you about that play specifically. I didn't actually, on the replay, I didn't see it, but I heard someone else mentioned... Uh... That Trace had an option. He could have dumped it up the middle to Saquon, who could have had a little more, a little more green grass in front of him. Could have been maybe, maybe an easier choice for Trace. I don't know if you if you had spotted that or if Jack did or neither one of us saw that. Okay. Uh, I'd have to go back to the replay and look at it. Um, whomever mentioned that to you may be absolutely right. I just would have to go back and look at the tape. And you know, you got to remember part of it. I can see a lot of parts at times. But you know, but something like that, he made such a quick move that he was going to that. I was looking at the ball, and because he, I was looking at the ball, I just concentrated on where the ball was going and that he had Tompkins. Maybe a little bit high, not really, but that was really a catchable ball. He put a lot of steam on it, but it still was a catchable ball. And I really believe that if they converted that, which they were an eyelash away from converting it, uh, I think they I think that would have been it. They would have won the game. But they didn't, so now you got to bounce back. you got uh, this one this week with Rutgers, and you're talking about a team in Rutgers. And, now, look, this is one of the few times Rutgers has really come in where they've had some legitimate uh, momentum to them. They've won three of their last four games. They've won two in a row. They don't throw the ball a lot. They've only thrown 63 passes total in the last four games combined. Now, they've won three out of four, so it's going to be a steady diet. I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to throw it when I need to. All right. Who do we have here? We have. Oh. He couldn't wait. Till, gra- yeah. He couldn't wait? No, he couldn't uh, wait till later. What, what were the records? How badly did I get buried? Uh, I'll check. I can okay. check while he has a game question for you. Sure. Th- this was my take of it. And and it was driving me crazy, and it's it's no fault of I think everyone's doing the best they can. They're incapable of saying we got the best back in the country, and we're giving him the ball, and we're going forward for the next five minutes, and you can't stop us. And that does not happen. They can't put a game away. They yeah. they start with gadgets and all this other stuff. They're incapable, and I think that puts their defense on the field too long. 
especially with a quarterback that's running all over the place. I, I just it's frustrating to watch, but it's just not their game. But if they well, can pound yeah, yeah. right, watch the Philadelphia to, Eagles play right, football this year. Right, you're trying to work around what you know are your deficiencies. So you know, right. you're trying to work around it, and that's the problem. There are two areas yeah. of this football team that never have, have not completely recovered from everything that happened here. To a point linebacker, to a point, and the mm-hmm. other one's the offensive line. There's still, there's still. I mean, idealistically, unless you get a guy like Ryan Bates, for example, idealistically, you'd like to be weaning them into the lineup when they're redshirt sophomores and not as freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Mm-hmm. And that's the part where they're still trying to fight back a little, and that's why you're trying to work around what you talked about. Yeah, I just think it's the difference between a very, very good team and a great team. And their inability to say, mono on mono, we're going to take you down, yeah. and we're going to keep the ball the next six minutes. You're not going to yeah. see it. And they can't and do be- that. And, and, that's and believe me, yeah, exactly. Trying, it's you know, it's it's just, and their inability to do that kills them in these close games against really good teams. Yep, you'd like to just take it at the 20-yard line and just pound it and pound it and pound it and, and have them just look at you and keep blinking and saying, we can't stop you. You'd love to be able to do that, and at this moment, they're not quite to that point yet up front. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And our number, 1-800-795-9565. like to jump in. Love to hear from you. That's what your thoughts are. Sports bozo of the day. Boy, do we have multiple choice here. You know, with Green, Ramsey, or Jameis Winston, who would you pick? I mean, Sean, if I gave you the pick between Ramsey and Green in the Jags-Bengals game, or Jameis Winston, who would you select? Not a good look for the NFL. You think about that. The NFL's got enough trouble. Now they're having fights on the field. We just got word a couple minutes ago, uh, Mike Evans of Tampa Bay, he will be out for the next game, but nothing on A.J. Green. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Solidifies your bozo status there even more as to what to, you know, 
of what you I'll picked. I'll tell you, this happens to be a league that can't get out of its own way. I mean, really think of it, they can't get out of their own way. And they used to be a league that made every decision. They were like, all right, yeah, that's good. You know, they know what they're doing. they got a handle on it. Right now, they can't. They can't get out of their own way. It's amazing. I was, I was talking about this in my class today. I was talking about ESPN, and I was talking about um, the NFL. And I said, I said, look, five years ago, I said they were both indestructible. And through a series of bad meat, because both of them, you know what the two of them do now? And I've mentioned this on the show before, so this is not something that's brand new in the insightful catalog of the Steve Jones show. But right now, you've got two organizations that went from being bulletproof to now guessing. Both of them, when they make decisions, are guessing that it's the right thing to do. They used to be that they knew before exactly how to handle it. They knew it was the right decision, and now both of them are constantly guessing as to whether they made the right choice. That's a hard way to run an organization. It really is. I mean, that's that's that's. I mean, that's what I look look at. I'm I'm looking at two dynamic dynamo organizations and both of them are guessing wow how about this last night's game uh the sunday night football game uh is the lowest week nine overnight rating since nbc got sunday night football back in 2006 all right wow all right the eagles are just rolling right now they are rolling and they scored so often yesterday, Matt Leon, that they ran out of fireworks. It was really, really something. I mean, uh, I knew Denver's offense would be terrible, but uh, they broke the spirit of the Denver defense. Well, I think the Eagles' offense and the play of uh, of the Denver quarterback uh, broke the Brock Osweiler broke the spirit of the Denver defense. But uh, that was really something else. Uh, it's interesting. I was watching uh, football. Uh, tonight with uh, Rodney Harris and Tony Dungy, Dan Patrick, uh, before the Dolphins-Raiders game last night. And uh, I think it was Rodney Harrison that said, look, he says, you know, I'm starting to become a believer in Carson Wentz. And I'm thinking to myself, late to the party on that one. Um, I don't quite see what he hasn't seen him, but we're all entitled to our own opinion. You watch him all the time. Are we seeing a better product every week? Yeah, and I think the the one thing that I don't want to say works against Wentz, but I think the reason why some people maybe aren't quite going all in is he doesn't put up, aside from the touchdowns, which are the most important stats, he doesn't put up the gaudy numbers. He's not going 30 of 40 for 420 yards. Yeah. Uh, but he's leading them up and down the field. He doesn't turn the ball over, spreading the ball around to everyone. I mean, they didn't have Zach Ertz yesterday. That's a huge loss offensively. Like you hear Zach Ertz isn't playing and that's like man, that could really yeah. really change things up, especially against the quality defense. And he goes out there and they, they drop fifty on Denver and he throws four touchdown passes, including one to the tight end who took, you know, Ertz's spot. Uh so I, I think that's the only thing because there are some people there well, I think there's two camps. There are people that are just contrarian that don't you want to go all in with Wentz because everybody else is talking so much about him. And I, I do think there are people that probably don't get to watch him 
you know, right. day in, day out, and, and watch the game start to finish. They just see, oh, he only threw for 199 yards, or he only threw for 240 <laughs> yards, and don't get wowed by that. So that that's what I think the most part is, because I don't think anybody that really pays attention to football that watches this kid play, you know, all the time can't be incredibly impressed. And, oh, by the way, he's made a total of 25 starts in the NFL, and this is where we are. So uh, it's it's really something. What kind of fit do you think Jay Ajayi is for them? I think he's great. I think, uh, you know, he was impressive yesterday, limited playbook once again. I think uh, they would started rolling downhill against the Denver defense that was tired of holding up its end of the bargain, and they really broke their spirit. Uh, but the way he runs, uh, you know, him and LeGarrette Blunt, who I don't think – I don't think his role is going to change much. I think they'll – They'll split it amongst – it'll be the other running backs that will probably see their time diminish, despite the fact Corey Clement had three touchdowns yesterday. I think uh, he fits in great with the, what they're trying to do offensively. He fits in great in the short term that he adds another weapon, and he fits in great long term. He's only 24. He's under contract for next year. Right. Basically, you know, you can let LeGarrette Blount walk because he's only on a one-year deal, and you, you've – address the running back position before you even get to the draft and free agency. I mean, it's that's really an impressive move for, for Howie Roseman and the Eagles to kind of lop off a to-do list for next year and, oh, by the way, make us a stronger Super Bowl contender this year. That's uh, hard for a GM to do at the trade deadline, but Howie Roseman did it. Uh, I want to bring up Doug Peterson for a moment. Last year in these conversations early on, you know, because Doug had, of course, been – with Kansas City, and you and I both know Andy Reid really runs the play calling there. Fair enough. And oh, we yeah. wonder what kind of play caller Doug Peterson would be because he is the play caller. So we watched last year, and we you know, came away with a mixed feeling. Fair enough? Between when you and I yeah. talked about this. Now now with different personnel, running backs, different sets of wideouts, an improved wideout, and a quarterback in his second year, what have you thought of Doug Peterson's play calling now that he has options around him? I think I think it's it's sublime. I really do. I think when you look at his play calling last year, I was really impressed out of the gate. Now they would start at three and zero, so obviously you're going to be impressed. But I came away just watching those games where you went with a lot of wow. Like he really has a good grasp of what can do well and, and what he feels comfortable with. And then it really started to kind of go up and down as they struggled in the middle of the season. Uh, I thought you really started to see the the lack of talent yeah. at wide receiver really affect them. Uh, this year, though, from the start, I think it's a combination of having a whole nother year with Wentz and really being almost in a mind melt with Wentz, with Wentz, where you can see that, you know, the game plan is really a co-op effort with the two of them and Frank Reich, that they, they really are all on the same page. It's having weapons at every level of the field, you know, even before they got a Jai, you know, LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, they were solid in the backfield. Obviously, Ertz has finally had the year. Everybody's been waiting for Ertz to have. And uh, the wide receiver, I mean, Alshon Jeffries, the number one, but Nelson Aguilar has yeah. become the guy that everyone hoped Nelson Aguilar would finally become. Uh, Torrey Smith hasn't really been much of a factor, but he is still a guy you have to respect to, to spread the field. And uh, I just think you see Doug Peterson does a great job of building success on success. I mean, if you saw the first touchdown, I think it was the first touchdown. The first one to Jeffrey. They run that little waggle with Wentz to the right where it looks like he's going to run. The cornerback to leave has to bite because he thinks it's a run coming his way. Jeffrey had stopped and then goes and 
and then takes off down the sideline. It's like got a little option RPO look to it. You see a lot in college. And Wentz throws a touchdown down the line. You know, I don't know how you defend that. When you've got a running back, you've got a, a quarterback, you've got a respect that can get on the edge. Uh, you've got a receiver like that. You know, I, your only hope is that the offense doesn't execute. Uh, and you see a lot of stuff like that where he really uh, puts players in positions to be comfortable and, more importantly, to succeed. So he's, he's done a great job. Well, I want to make sure I got some Eagles talk in here. Uh, and so, Matt, thank you very much because the Eagles are playing so great. They're 8 and 1. I know we're getting phone calls, and I want to make sure we get the phone calls in at 1 800 795 9565. Because I think it's important to get uh, all the viewpoints on there as much as possible. And so we can. And our number, 1-800-795-9565. So what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll come back, take your calls in a moment. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. All right, 800-795-9565. Thanks to Matt Leon, KYW in Philadelphia, for joining us to talk about the Eagles' remarkable 8-1 start. They took Denver apart yesterday. Took them apart. And now you want to talk about timing. They got a bye week just when they needed it. And I legitimately, they need a bye week. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, they're hot right now. Keep playing. Everybody's sore. There's a big difference between being hurt and being injured, right? Take my word. There are plenty of players in the Eagles that are hurt right now. Sore and hurt. They aren't injured, but they're hurt just because it's the nature of the game. Getting a bye week, and then you go to Dallas after that, two weeks from tonight, pretty good. Pretty good. I was surprised right, catching actually, the coverage on NBC last night that they, they kept bringing up Paxton Lynch. Oh, this is the first time Denver has lost four in a row since John Elway has become general manager of the team. Will they move now to Paxton Lynch? It's like, it's like what? Like, huh? <laughs> well, you're, you're looking at what are the options? I mean, that, I, that, I, I just mean, thought of he hardly right. spent time with practicing with the first team. I like right. Just you know, and you're you're absolutely right. But again, you're looking at a team that right now has no standout quarterback. So what's the option? Well, they picked a guy in the first round a year ago. So obviously, you're going to start saying, well, what about playing the first round guy? And that's how it comes up. I mean, I know I've I've already been asked today a couple different times about Tommy Stevens, and Trace is coming off a 381 yard performance. And well, what about Tommy Stevens? I'm like, well, you know what? Yeah, there's no doubt who the starting quarterback is, and I think there's some people have wondered about Penn State not using the Tommy Stevens package that they used a few times earlier in the season. Uh, the one area, and I I remember when. Saquon Barkley early in the season they were talking about um, having him run back kickoffs and people were concerned about him running back kickoffs and I said hey look come on you know you got to put bubble wrap on guys sometimes I wonder that when it comes time to have this honest conversation in a coach's room that the topic of remember he's our backup quarterback comes into play here and so you wonder if that's also part of the conversation where you sit there and you say, hey, we could do this and he could help us and he could do that. You know, then, but, again, what if he gets hurt? Well, if he gets hurt, he is your backup quarterback. Um, and that's – yeah. so I, I'm wondering, just wondering, because I don't know the answer for sure, but I'm wondering if that comes into play. 
I know it would be something that if I'm in that in that seat, I bring up and say, okay, let's look at risk reward here. He'll help us doing this, this, and this. But what if, as tough as he's been, what if something happens? Now what do we do with backup quarterback? Because our quarterback, by the way, does get hit in RPO. So, I mean, if I'm sitting in the room, that's the question I'm asking. You know, I'd look at the other coach and say, hey, look, our quarterback gets hit in RPO. So, with that in mind, now the domino, you want to risk the backup quarterback out there. And so that's where, the, to me, and I might be wrong about this, but that, to me, is part of the quandary as to how do you handle that. And... Um, Up front, they've got to win more one-on-one battles to get the running game going. Yeah, they've got a great running back, no question. Got the best running back in the country. Might be the best player in the country. You know, it's. uh, But he, um, you know, you need help to do anything. And you know, it's interesting. I mean, you you hear him talk, and you'll hear the uh, inside Penn State athletics tomorrow. He's the guest on inside Penn State athletics tomorrow. When it comes time to start talking about what did or didn't happen, he'll talk about things he didn't do. He never talks about what anybody else around him does unless it's positive. It's the way he is. It's the way he's always been. And uh, it's something I've always respected about him. That he... uh, That he's like that. But I saw more movement and forward movement for the running game in the last quarter and a half of that game on Saturday against a pretty good run defense where I sat back and said, you know what, I think they're starting to get get it a bit. They started getting more hat on hat, which made a big difference, and they were getting forward surge, forward surge, forward surge, because he ended up with 63 yards in the game, and all that was in the second half. In fact, almost all that was in the final quarter and a half because he didn't have a single yard rushing in the first half. As I pointed out, you got a Rutgers team. You know, look, you, know, you can say whatever you want about Rutgers, but guess what? They've won three of their last four games. And for Rutgers, that is, that's a step forward. They're playing much better defensively. They've given up 100 fewer points in the first quarter this season to this point than they had given up last season. They kept falling way behind in games early last year. They are not a team that's going to burn you tremendously with the pass game. They'll pick their spots, but they've only averaged 16 pass attempts per game in this four-game run. They want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, control the ball, control the time, and keep you off the field. That's what they want to do. Now, the one team they couldn't do it to was Michigan. And Michigan won the game 35-14. to They couldn't do it to Michigan. Uh, they've got a great returner in Grant. Although he didn't play last week, I'm expecting the old play this week. Uh, but Jadarian Grant is back. And, you know, guy that gives them some jump in the, in the return game. So you've got to go out and you've just got to take care of your business when you play a game like this. You've got to take care of your business. You, you know, you go out, you're going to be home. It is not going to be a warm day. It's probably going to be 32-33 at kickoff. At least that's what the initial forecast looks like. I'm not trying to scare anybody away. I'm just trying to tell you that, hey, look, dress warm. 
But you're going to be home. Now you're going to have people behind you as opposed to having to play on the road. So there's something to that. And never, you know, you never, you never take home field for granted. Never, never, never. Especially after the last couple of weeks. So. All he knows, it'll be nice to be back in the uh, back in the booth. That uh, you're like, oh, okay, very nice. You got that the next two weeks. Then you got Senior Day coming up after that. But you know, one at a time. Your Rutgers, as I said, it's uh, they've got a way of playing. Now, remember, Jerry Kill is the offensive coordinator, the former Minnesota coach, and they're playing the way that they did in Minnesota. The, you know, let's give it to. Gus Edwards, fifth-year guy who uh, transferred in, and he has been uh, a plus for them. They use Robert Martin as well. Those are the two key guys. They got Raheem uh, Blackshear as well that they mix in from time to time. He's got a little more speed to the edge. But it's mostly Martin, and it's mostly uh, uh, Edwards. And Giovanni Ruschino has been the quarterback. Took over for Bolin, and I give Ruschino credit. He's made doesn't make a lot of big plays, but he also has stayed away for the most part from the big mistake. And Penn State's got to get back to look being the team that's the ball hawk, being the team that gets the takeaway, being the team that's careful with the ball, being the team that dominates field position. This was a game where they were minus two giveaway takeaway. Okay, so box Michigan State. Penn State, even in the Ohio State game, owned the field position. This time, Michigan State started from their own 32. Penn State started from its own 19. It's the first time this season Penn State's lost field position. And so big field all day long. And again, made a big difference in the ballgame. Because again, check another box for Michigan State. And the explosive plays, I believe, were even in the game. Uh, so there's three big boxes that are that are important to Penn State. They're even in one, and they lost the other two, and they still ended up only losing by three points. But it's also a game that going in, look, I expected them to win each of the games the last two weeks. I expected that because I just think I think Penn State's become that good. Now, are they a great? Are they great in every spot in the field? Of course not. But I think Penn State's really, really good at most spots. So you go on the road and you lose by a total of four points. And for anybody who says, well, that's it, the season's over. Last I checked, I was out there uh, working on Rutgers yesterday. It didn't seem to me like any season was over. But I'm not a fan. I'm a worker. And I'll tell you. You look at what James Franklin's done the last two years. I mentioned this earlier. You have certain guys that step into really good situations. They inherit talent, and they do a lot with it. But then five years in, you don't have the same feeling. James Franklin didn't inherit much, and look what he's built in four years. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.